I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. Here we go. Back in it. What's up, Travis? Yeah. Um, apparently, like, designing stuff is up. That's Undesigning right. stuff is even more up. It's super up. The most up. It's yes. It's it's very very up. There's even a movie called Up, isn't there? There is. Uh, you've got Up. You've got Up in the Air. Was it good? Up. Yeah. It's- this is going somewhere, people. Listen to us. Trust. Trust us. This is going somewhere because, as usual, we rolled a thing on the random table, and this time, what was that thing, Vince? This thing was the upper limits in games designing. That's right. There is nothing wrong with your iPhone. Do not adjust your 4K screen. You are now entering the upper limits. <laughs> That's right. That is a reference, Travis, that absolutely no one who listens to this podcast is going to get. That's not true. Hey, uh, way to go, Steve. You got it. There you go. Yeah. Steve got it. Well, I mean, the one guy that listens to it, uh, he might get it. Our our famous listener, Steve. Yes. Now, what are we talking about here? Upper limits in games. All right. Let me see if I can quickly give a, a summation statement of why I think, as a game designer, this is a very important thing to think about. Okay. Characters who are exploring the world of your game are going to inevitably be faced with challenges. And they are going to utilize some set of abilities, be they skills or superpowers or magical spells or really sharp swords, it doesn't really matter, to overcome said challenges. Right? And the question is, what can they accomplish? And I will give two very quickly, two very quick extremes, okay? Using the superhero genre, because that is an easy thing to grab onto as an example for this. Right, it's about, it's, it's one of the extremes for certain. Certainly. Um, if we take a street-level hero like Daredevil... Right. The challenges that he can overcome and his abilities are such that they, there is a very clear upper limit to it. He is a you know, he has some like super sensory stuff and he's an excellent martial artist. But if he is confronted by Galactus, that is going to be a short fight. <laughs> OK, yeah, that is a challenge. Yeah, like, yeah, dare, like, like with this guy, this daredevil is probably going to have troubles with Vin Diesel from that most recent Fast and the Furious. Movie. <laughs> yes, Vin Diesel from that we the talked Fast about last episode. Movie is a good because fight he's for him. Stom- he's stomping out asphalt. Correct. So I mean, Daredevil yes. might have some issues. Absolutely, that's a good point. Whereas, conversely, if we take, uh, let's say, a character like the Silver Surfer, right? Oh boy, yeah. Let's just go right to the top. I like your selection here. Yes. Um, Silver Surfer is going to run up against most of Daredevil's challenges and eliminate them in a matter of seconds. They will not even be interesting. It's not even going to register as a second. It's going to be like like a a data from Star Trek, you know, you know, quarter of a second. You know, it's like Silver Surfer has the power cosmic, so he can just change reality. There you go. You know. Yes. Oh, Vin Diesel. Nope. No more Vin Diesel. No more Vin Just Diesel. That, that, that was does it. Not exist anymore. He never existed. Yeah, like Vin Diesel. He didn't even happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Vin Diesel never played Dungeons and Dragons and never had his character's name tattooed on his body. Yes. Like that didn't happen. So, so there's a difference here. 
right? That's that's what we're talking about. Now, the reason I think upper limits are important as well from a design perspective, now that we know what they are, is because I think that by setting the upper limits, that is actually one of your better tools. We always talk about tools in the toolbox when you're designing. That is one of your better tools to define the tone of your, the tone and themes of your game. The tone, it's all wrong. Yes. Do it again. I'll get you with a soldering iron. Correct. Um, so, so do you agree with my initial statement? I mean, does that make sense to you as a, as a concept? That is, yeah, that conceptually that that's, that's what we mean by, by the, the upper limits of, uh, of your game. And uh, m most importantly, it's, it's, it's that, that, that tone that you're talking about um, that's almost immediately set by whatever bar, you know, where, where, wherever, wherever you put that bar of what the upper, the top end is, um, immediately sets, sets like uh, the stage for everything, everything that's beneath it. <laughs> okay, so everything right. that's below that level can now, can now more easily be defined because we know. Like we know what the top is, so let's talk about what's what's down below. We have a much clearer view of everything down below because because we know where the sky ends. Right, and and we should also mention the floor is free, right? What I mean by that is the floor is just, you know, basically what humans do normally and or less than that, right? Failure zero. The floor is just like either humanity or or beneath the level of what a normal human being can do in these games, right? Um, something around that, like either. Uh, so, is there a floor? You know what? I'm not even. I don't even. It, well, like, what's the? What is? The, I don't. I don't know. That's weird. The floor is weird. I never really thought about the floor. The floor is, is, is because is the floor different in a game like Shadowrun compared to a game like Dungeons and Dragons? Because in Shadowrun, you know, you, when 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 you get hurt, <laughs> you get hurt harder than you do sure. in Dungeons and Dragons. Is that yep. like the floor? Is that like? No, I think the floor of overcoming challenges is I can't overcome any challenges, right? If you're okay, yeah. sort of disabled, yeah. there's nothing you can do. Sorry, I tangent. That, that was a complete tangent. That, that no, you're fine. With this okay. okay. You're okay. So I, I, that's why I think the floor is almost free, right? Yeah. Um, it's un, it's unimportant to even talk about it. Like, really, like, correct. We, it, you just, you should know. Like, you just, it didn't work <laughs> or it didn't happen or it did, it doesn't. Right. Yes. So it's the negative. Yes, it is the negative. So whereas the ceiling is infinitely variable, right? So Until you define it, yeah. Correct, until you define it. And that's why it's important to design it and to define it. This is something that D&D &D has played with a lot, right? Um, defining the okay. upper limit of what their, what their characters can accomplish, not yeah. just in toto in the game. For example, is there ever a point in the game where you will kill, be able to kill the gods? Okay. What that has been true or false variably throughout the history of D&D. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's gone back and forth. Uh, definitely gone back and forth. Right. I mean, there have been books to, devoted to defining the attributes of gods. Right. So, so, I mean, obviously they're there to be, Punch in like, the face. Right. There's a there's a reason there are statistics there, right? Yeah. They're they're there to be used. Yes. You you don't you don't put stats on anything that's never meant to be fought, right? It's not right. right. Not, that's a waste of time. Why would you do that? So the second you say, "Yep, gods have these stats," well, that means that you must want somebody, sometime, somehow, to punch them in the face. Right. I'm gonna swing a sword at that god. That's what I'm doing. Right. So. 
Um, my my feeling here is that that's an easy example of like sort of the game in Toto. But I think that there's also then the sub question of um, if your game has variability in power, that is to say, if the characters grow in some way, which, of course, most games, right? Most games have some kind most of games of, have an advancement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, some some kind of advancement progression. Correct. Um, then the next question you need to ask is, are, how does the ceiling move? as characters advance right which is its own secondary question um the you know because they're going to do different things at different times so for example a what strength accomplishes in the game of DD? just keep on the same example because it's easy but what strength what strength can do as a concept right mm -hmm. remains relatively static throughout the game your strength score might change right but strength itself it's it's sort of ability to solve problems remains static throughout the character advancement you may be able to do more with your strength but what strength can do is static you just can do more because you got stronger right okay, okay. so if you're standing between two falling columns you know you can hold them up in the very beginning if you have x amount of strength and right. then near near the end of the game, you might be able to hold up a third column with your forehead while you're holding the other two up. Right, because you went from a an eighteen strength, you know, you're you're a super strong dude, up to like a, a twenty one strength or something. Right. So so that that was your progression. You hit a little harder. You can lift a little more. Those sorts of things happen. Okay, fair enough. However, I would argue that what something like magic can do, right, like spell casting. Mm -hmm does not remain static at all throughout the whole thing because not just because your spells get more powerful but because your spells get more open-ended more right, open they start to turning interpretation into the yes they start becoming things like wish and stuff like that right where like well they they're much more dependent upon the person's creativity the person's sort of willingness to risk uh and, and all sorts of other factors right so yeah. Um, that's the, the upper limit of magic being very different, uh, than the upper limit of something like physical power. Whereas let's, let's, let me flip this around. Cause you might be listening to me say that example and say, well, yeah, but how could strength ever be anything different? Right? Like, of course, strength has a, has a defined static nature like that. I would push back and say, ho, ho, you are not correct. Uh, let's talk about the Hulk for a moment. Okay. So let's oh, jump genres. Hulk. So famously, the Hulk is the strongest, as we all know, because Hulk is the strongest, right? That's that's yeah. The I mean, Hulk that's thing. just it. The Hulk is strongest. Yep. Hulk is the strongest. Um, there was a moment in the Hulk's history where two universes, two two parallel versions of the universe, were being torn apart, right? And the Hulk held them together. Yeah. So, so we've talked about this one before. We talked about this this particular moment in comic book history. Yes. Uh, it might be a seedy moment in history, but I don't know. I love um, it. Where? Yeah. So, so he holds these two together. He he holds two. Uh, yes. He holds <laughs> like, two, two realities. Realities. Two universes. Yeah, right. This is my favorite thing because it's a uh, we're using reality as a unit of measurement. Correct. Um, <laughs> it's just fantastic. That's true. That um, did and he can do two of them. He can do two. Yes, he's got two. At least. Yeah, forget like, your... Later on, he might get one with his forehead. Yes, forget your column example. Yeah, this dude's doing universes. 
Um, yeah, exactly. So what can strength do? Strength can hold reality together. Right. It can defy science. Yes. And so that's my point. The upper limit of saying this thing can do this thing or could do this thing or has the potential to do this thing, even if it's never realized by your character, the fact that it is a thing that exists in your world, mm -hmm. the fact that the Hulk can do that says something very different about the nature of the world the Hulk lives in versus the yeah. world that, that a, a, you know, a fighter in a D&D world lives in. I, it's so from a from design standpoint here's something I, I find interesting about this whole this whole ceiling concept the the, the upper limit yeah um because when we're talking about these things about specifically going back to your your um example of Dungeons and Dragons which everybody's going to be able to relate to because we you know our 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 listening audience is probably very familiar with uh, a lot of the fantasy games like Warhammer and and uh, Dungeons and Dragons so Dungeons and Dragons I like this it's good we sure. can deal with that um you talked about you know the wizard having having that uh, his, his his you know their spells become more and more reality altering. Right. Um, they have the ability to to shape things according to their imagination because of their spell casting. Yes. And in some in some iterations of this game of Dungeons and Dragons, um, wizards have have been known to become very very powerful near the end of the game. Okay. This is um a, and multiple is a famous argument. Yes, this is a famous argument. Yeah. They become very, very powerful at the at the end of the game. Whereas a warrior starts off much stronger than the wizard because he has he has he's he's consistent and consistently strong. Um, he consistently heals a lot and, of damage. Yeah, he he can consistently stand up against 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 incoming damage. And while while the wizard has very few resources available to him at low levels, he has very few hit points. He has very few uh, very few spells to cast. Um, a limited amount of spells within his spell book to even choose from to cast. Things like that. He's yep. very limited. And you, you'll see this curve um, start to appear, and this is also true for all the other classes within the game. Okay, you know the the, the thief, rogue, whatever you want to call it, from whatever edition, um, is also on this curve, and so is the the cleric or the priest or whatever you want to call it from whatever edition you're going from there too. Um, and once you set the ceiling, you're then able to plot out these curves for things that exist within um, the game you're designing um, to account for people's different psychographic graphic profiles and and so forth of how how they decide what character to play what what uh what stats to 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 shoot for um you know what abilities to go for things like that and what and what really tickles uh you know you know your your keys um for yeah, each of these their different people individual fancy right yes what motivates yeah, them and, right and and you can't start defining those curves until you have a top end really like you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't, because you can't draw the lines. Right. It's the second point because we know where we start. Right. And, and I'll, I, I should also say that we'll, we'll do a whole separate second episode about like, uh, at some point in the future about how powerful are, you know, like your, is your, is your fresh character? What does that mean vis-a-vis -vis the mm -hmm. world? Cause this is also an element of variability to some degree, but it has less variability in most cases. You don't often start as a God because Duh! You have to have some place to grow, right? So yeah, there, you, there. You, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, of course, sure. big exceptions. Um, and oh, even in that topic, I mean, come on, I mean, I mean, if you look at Dungeons and Dragons and most other games, Dungeons and Dragons has this huge, like, this this very very big journey that your character goes through as right. far as their abilities, compared to other games that have a much much shorter uh, line. Oh sure, uh, drawn from the beginning and the end. Yep. So yep. that that's another inter interesting side effect of the difference in these ceilings.
Yes. That's why I say the floor isn't what's interesting because you usually start above the floor, right? What's interesting is the starting point. But yes, second episode. So anyways, keep going. You were you were making a good point about that it needs that second. That's having those two points is how you draw the line and then defining where everybody exists on that line and the abilities and how they interact with that line is a good thing to define and think about in your game. I think that's what you were defining, right? Am I correct? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yep. Yeah. Done. <laughs> and and I agree because ultimately, right? What's happening here when you're to, when you're setting the upper limit is if you want your game to be a grounded exploration of crime and punishment and 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 suffering and stuff like that, right? If you want the world to feel gritty and dark and to sort of be a through the scanner darkly kind of, of, of game, right? If that's what you're aiming at in your game. Like if I was going to do an exploration, a very sort of real exploration, not a steampunky thing, but a sort of real exploration of like early 1800s London, like in, in you know, I really feel like your White first Chapel descriptor was the best descriptor. Um, well, just, just if you want your game to be grounded. Sure. Um, because all of these things are just pointing at at being being grounded, it's, and that basically means near closer to the floor. Yes. Um, yeah, that's great. That's a good point. And uh, and so I feel like that that's really really describing what you're talking about there. Because you know if you want your if if you want your game to be grounded, keep that ceiling low. Yes. Um, and if you want if you want your game to fly, you know if you want if you want things to be you know flights of fantasy, then you you can raise that up to to meet what you need. Yeah. And it's important to say that this isn't this is independent from genre, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can have grounded fantasy, like very grounded mm-hmm. fantasy. Uh sword and sorcery uh, yep, that, being that a- gritty stuff you were talking about that's yep. uh you know everybody's an inch away from death, you know, right. y- y- around any 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 corner you could die. Um, you know, disease runs rampant. Player characters can get diseases and die. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um but then you, you turn that around, turn it around on its head, and you play in like you know, Forgotten Realms or something. And it's and it's very different. You don't like the only diseases you're catching are weird supernatural mummy curses and stuff, yeah. right? It's not. It's it's, it's not, not just the plague or or yeah. the common cold or whatever. You yeah, know? you're not going to get like the flu, and and it's not a serious threat to your character, right? Um, you're not going to get dysentery or something, right? Yeah, you get stabbed on a daily basis and yet somehow you continue to adventure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Daily Wo- basis. Wounds you know, sometimes never, many times in a day. Yes, wounds never get infected, right? Yeah, exactly. Um so it's it's an excellent point because you could have that in your fantasy, you could have crazy powerful, you know, ridiculous fantasy where you do it. Same with sci-fi. You could have the same like, is true some, for like you know like you, I think you talked about action movies last episode and how different they can be you know John yep. Wick versus versus uh, Fast and the Furious you know, that kind sure. of thing sure and and John Wick is itself like still somewhat detached right it's a little it's more detached above. but it's more grounded it's it's yes. more grounded right than say like a Fast and the Furious movie but probably not as much as say I don't know Die Hard or something like yeah. that right <laughs> yes I agree I concur yeah. So don't that's why I think this is an important thing to think about, because I think oftentimes when people try to define, you know, when they're making their game, 
genre is obviously one of the first things they think about, right? I mean, you and I have have uh, we we've we've published several games and we've you know concepted or or you know sketched out many more, um, yeah. which we could do a whole episode on. Like one of the most important elements of of being a game designer is just to keep designing games you never mean to publish, just to see what they look yeah. like, right? Just to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, so it, they're like thought experiments. It's Absolutely, worth it. I'm going to add that to the topic list because I like that. Um, but anyway, all right. I like when we think of new topics when we're discussing certain topics. But anyways, um, it happens every episode. It does generally happen every episode. Um, but uh, at the same time, so so one of the first things we've always thought about, right? And, and generally, because duh, why wouldn't you? One of the first things you tend to think about is genre, right? You think, is this game going to have some science fiction elements, some fantasy elements? Are we going to make Are we making a superhero game? Because it's just sort of the first thing you think about. And that's fair. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, however, that doesn't get you all the way there, right? And that's my point. Don't stop there, right? You've got to think at some point, maybe next, maybe a couple steps down the road, about uh, about what are the upper limits of your game? What is the most characters can achieve? Can they punch a guy and knock him out in one punch? Is that a thing that can happen in your world? Can they punch the moon and knock it out of its orbit? Right. Yeah. These are two very different things, but both having to do with what characters can accomplish. And and once you have once you have some some kind of um, some kind of bearing, some kind of mark on the map of of where the this this upper limit is, then then you have you have something to draw from. You know, if you if you say this is what strength can do, you can then temper with te temper everything else you think of. Um, with that thought, you know, when you think about dex dexterity and what does agility mean, you know, is, right. is Spider-Man agility a thing that's possible or are we are we talking more like a gymnast, you know? Right. No. Um, so as soon as you have like one point, one to see, yep. you know, yeah, yeah. As long as you can see one star on the horizon, you can start to figure out where you are. That's such a good analogy because it really is. This can be a sort of North Star for designing all of the other elements in your game, right? I, I really like that analogy because it's there to guide you. When you're thinking about magic later on or when you're thinking about um, what laser guns can do, right? When you're thinking about wh whatever, right? When you're thinking about your weird uh, Dune-like voice power that you can command people with, though, when you're thinking about your weirding way, right? This can be a sort of North Star for you to kind of temper all of those and set the limits of what those things can accomplish accordingly. As long as you've got one, you can keep following that one down the line, right? And right. And and this this also kind of kind of leads into something that's a little dangerous though, okay? So cuz once you have that and and then you start you start plotting out, you know, where all the other stars are, uh, and you know, you know where you're going and so forth. Right. You got to be really really careful after that point once you start play you start playing your game, play testing your game and trying it out. You got you got, got to be careful with expectation because once you've created that ceiling, you got to worry. You got to start worrying about the Vince word, the verisimilitude of things. Yep. Because as soon as you as soon as you start breaking that ceiling, you're you're then you're then ruining all the expectations that your target audience had. Yeah, it's a good point. If you stick to if you create that limit, it's a limit. You don't break it, right? Because you try not to. You yeah. you have you have there has to be some really good purpose behind it there's got to be a, a strong purpose of course never is too strong of a word to use here but, fair enough but you're, you're right but you're, you're right 
there's there's definitely you you need you need to use to use that line as a uh, uh, as the guideline, keep keep it as the guideline because that's that's why that's why you spent all the time working on it in the first place. What I would say is it should be treated as as hard and unbreakable as a limit as we would ever say anything is, right? Um, that is to say, it, um, it, it it's only with the best of possible reason. Think of it like using nuclear weapons, right? Like we have said, we're never going to use nuclear weapons again as a, as a country, and I I, ho- I sincerely hope we don't. But we also know that they're still around, right? And we would never, exist, never, yeah. never use them unless, right? There's there's like I don't know, aliens invaded, right? In the ID the the, the Independence Day scenario, right, where we tried to nuke them. Welcome to Earth. Yes, exactly. So like, okay, given under all normal circumstances, it's going to be true. But, you know, in the most extreme and the most crazy, sure, whatever. Right. Right. Only if it's going to make whatever, whatever's going on better. Like that, that's usually, that's, that's the best way to look at things. That's, but that's I just point. wanted to bring it up because you need to be careful. You got to be careful. Once you've created the ceiling, try, try to use that ceiling as you've created it so that there, there is some, some semblance of, or similar to. So there yep. you go. I love it. love it. I'm down with that. So I don't know. Is there anything else we have we have to say about this? Probably, but uh, that's all we're going to say for now. So I'm going to call that uh, the upper limits undesigned. I agree. The upper limits undesigned. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We always appreciate it. As always, email is down below. Uh, give us a shout if there's a particular topic you want us to discuss. We always love to hear from you. And as always, see you next time. Ooh, the long outro. Exciting. Mm-hmm.